book of Psalms on Wednesday nights. And I hope and pray that it's a blessing and a help to you and encouragement. And uh, tonight as we look at Psalm, Psalm number 8, uh, it is a psalm that really is, is when I think of psalms, this is what I think of. It's a psalm that praises the Lord, it uplifts the Lord, it exalts the Lord. And uh, really, that is what this psalm is about. And uh, as I'm thinking back over the psalms that we've had, uh, uh, many of the psalms have been more about uh, the troubles that they were going through. And certainly those can be encouraging as well as we look at them. And there are many psalms that are like that. Uh, but the psalm tonight is a very uh, uplifting psalm that looks at God. And, uh, and I've really entitled it, uh, Marvel at God's Creation. And uh, as you read this psalm, uh, I don't know about you, but I love science anyways, and I love creation, and I don't know the most about it by any stretch of the imagination, but I marvel at it. And, uh, and I marvel at the little creatures, the ant that God has made, and how that little thing walks, and how its skeleton is on the outside, and when you squash it, it goes crunch. That just that amazes me, and, uh, and how they're drawn to sugar, and, and if you take and, and wipe them all away and kill them, it's not even 30 seconds later, and there's a new line of them back going right through. That amazes me at God's creation, and, uh, and that's just one. That's just the ant. Uh, boy, you could go on and on and on about all of the animals and all of the creation that God has. And uh, it really, truly is amazing. Look with me in Psalm 8. The Bible says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemy, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou may, hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fishes of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the privilege, again, that we have to be in your house. And God, to read your word and really to marvel at who you are. And God, though, the wonder of creation that you have created and designed every aspect of it and every part of it. And Father, may we be in awe of you tonight for really who you are and what a marvelous plan that you have come up with. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me, God, and you would uh, strengthen and encourage each and every person. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. 
As we look at this psalm, it is a psalm that praises the Lord. You'll notice it starts out in the very beginning, the first verse, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. And it ends the same way. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. And uh, it really does focus on who God is. In the first two verses, uh, you'll notice the Creator. And he talks about the Lord, our Lord. And of course, the creation that he's talking about is, is that of the world and that of man and how God has made them. But we see the Creator being talked about in verse 1 and 2. And he says this, he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth, who has set Thy glory above the heavens. And uh, His name, of course, is revealed to us through His Word. You realize tonight that if we did not have the Bible, we wouldn't know God's name. We wouldn't know who God is. We would be like every other people uh, that are on the face of the earth that are grasping, looking for the truth of God and not knowing uh, the truth of God. So thank God for His Word that gives us very clearly His name and lets us know who it is. Uh, and we look at verse number 1 and we see the excellency of His name. Look there, it says, O Lord. I want you to notice this. In your Bibles, in your King James Bibles, the Bible says there, L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Whenever you see all caps, Lord, uh, that means it's Jehovah God. Uh, there are, I'm, we're not, we won't go into all the Hebrew words and all of that because uh, the King James translators did a good job at, at helping us to see that. But whenever you see that in the Old Testament, uh, understand and know it is talking about uh, that is the highest name for God. It is God. The Jews wouldn't even write. Uh, it was such a sacred name. They would not write it with the vowels included. And they would not say it with their mouths. Uh, that's why they wouldn't write it with the vowels. So it comes out a bunch of letters. It's Y-H-W-H. -H. And uh, it is used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. You know what that tells me? That this book is all about him. Hey, it tells us who He is. It tells us uh, who God is, and I'm thankful for that. And He's saying here, O Lord, our Lord, that second Lord, capital L, little o, little r, and little d, uh, is Adonai. And it means Master, the God, uh, and, and we can, or, or Lord, as in a small, cap, a small l. Uh, and so uh, we can see that. He's saying, O Lord, our Master or our Lord. In other words, hey, we serve the ultimate authority that is God. And that is what he's declaring. And he says, how excellent is thy name. And certainly, uh, his name is a wonderful name. Uh, I, wanted, well, I wanted to go through the Old Testament and look at all the names. Time would not allow us to go through all the names of God in the Old Testament. But I just pulled out a few that I thought would be interesting because he is praising the name of God and he's saying how excellent is God's name. Uh, and certainly, God's name is a wonderful name. Uh, and look with me in Isaiah. Save your spot here in, in Psalms chapter 8 and we'll be back here. But go with me to Isaiah chapter 26. I want to show you two verses in Isaiah. Isaiah 26 and verse number 4. 26.4. Isaiah 26.4. 
this actually has Jehovah in it. Many of them have Lord with all caps, as does this one. But it says there in Isaiah 26, 4, it says, Trust ye in the Lord, all caps, forever, for the Lord, all caps, Jehovah, is everlasting strength. Boy, you talk about that is the God supreme. I mean, uh, we talk about the Lord of Lords. He is the all-powerful. He is the creator that made everything that is. Hey, listen, we're not worshiping some false god this to this evening. We're not, we're not serving some God that a man invented and came up with. We're serving the God of the Bible that created everything that is, and He's praising Him for the excellency of His name. And His name is symbolic with strength. Hey, if somebody creates the entire world and creates you and I and creates the entire universe, I don't know about you, but I don't know of anything more powerful than that. And that is God. And His name signifies that of strength. We see that here. Go back with me in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 2. We find yet another verse that talks about uh, Jehovah God, the Lord, and, uh, and how wonderful is His name. And we see that in, in 26.4, and we see this here in 12 and verse number 2 as well. We see His strength. But I want you to notice this in verse number Two of Isaiah chapter 12. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Hey, praise the Lord. We got three names in there. God, Lord, and Jehovah all wrapped into one, and He's our strength, He's our salvation, He is the one that gives us salvation. And I'm just telling you, uh, what a wonderful name that God has. It's celebrated throughout the entire Old Testament. Uh, I love the fact that uh, way back when in Exodus, uh, when, when Moses was trying to uh, understand who God was, and he says, God, uh, when I'm, when I'm going to go into Pharaoh, I need to tell him who sent me. And he said, who are you? And God says, I am that I am. Hey, he, he just simply wanted him to understand that uh, not only was he the strength, Jehovah means strength, Jehovah is salvation, but also I am, that is the Jehovah, uh, the God of eternity, is an eternal God. He just exists. He doesn't have a start. He doesn't have a finish. He's not going to end. He will continue for all eternity because he is the great I am that will continue. And I'm just telling you, he has an excellent name. That's what the psalmist is saying here in Psalm chapter 8. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. And he praises the Creator for the excellency of his name and the fact that he would uh, give it to us here on earth and allow us to know his name and know who he is. But I want you to notice not only the excellency of his name, but I want you to notice that God is exalted in glory. Look at the second part of verse number 1. He doesn't only say, how excellent is thy name uh, in all the earth. In other words, that, your, that his name would be allowed here on earth and be allowed to be known. But he says this in the second part, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Boy, you talk about glory. 
and being exalted. God is exalted above the heavens. Not just here in the earth, but the fact is, uh, the truth of the matter is, He's exalted even above that of the heavens. Boy, you think about how extents the heavens are. Uh, I, 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 space blows my mind, to be honest with you. I mean, it just it goes on and on. And they say that uh, our, our, our galaxy, I might not get all these words right, our solar system uh, is not the only one in space. And, uh, and I don't know, uh, we'll just throw this out there, ready? That'll make all the scientists go really wacky, is that maybe God put a mirror image and they're looking in and they just see back and back and back and they think they're looking far out. I don't know. I mean, we've not been out there, I'll tell you that. But I know this, whatever God did out there is incredibly huge. And the Bible says that, that He inhabits the heavens. Boy, what an amazing thing. Uh, God's glory is, is above the heavens. And what a wonderful thing about the stars and the moons and the planets and the sun. And, and, and boy, uh, I, was, I was watching something the other day and they were talking about a, a telescope that they were going to send out into space. They might have already sent it by now. Uh, it might have been old stuff that I was watching. And, and, and just that it would give them an even farther glimpse out. And, and I'm telling you what, man is just enthralled with space. Why? Because it's so vast. I tell you what, that's how big our God is. And we just can't even begin to fathom that. And He's exalted above heavens. His name is uh, excellent uh, that we see there in verse number 1. I want you to notice in verse number 2, the Bible says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength, watch this, because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. I want you to notice God's engagement with the enemy. Not only is his, uh, the excellency of His name and His exalted in glory, but the fact that He engages with the enemy. Um, it's pretty amazing to me as we read this that, uh, that, that God would engage with the enemy. And, and you say, well, how is He engaging with them? Uh, we'll look at a few ways, but listen, it's kind of amazing that God would allow us to preach the Gospel. That God would use us as mere mortals. And, and in reality, uh, we uh, are in battle against the enemy. Now, we are far weaker than the enemy. You understand that? Uh, the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and, uh, but against principalities and powers and things that we can't see. We're, we're, we are weak compared to the enemy. But God uses us to battle the enemy and in God, if you stand back and you think about that, how God does that, what a marvelous creation and plan that He would use us as frail creatures who would be able to, uh, to be warriors in this battle against the enemy. And He says here, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the, uh, the avenger. And I was reminded of the verse in 1 Corinthians 1.27. The Bible says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And I think, man, how wonderful is God's plan 
that he would engage the enemy and allow us to be part of that. And uh, there's certainly more to that that we'll look at. But I want you to notice in those two verses, really in marvel at the Savior, because His name is excellent. He's exalted above the heavens, which are really measureless, and we cannot tell how great they are, uh, they are and how, therefore how big God must be, and how God developed a plan that He would use even us in engagement with the enemy, and still the enemy. We see all about God the Creator. And I want you to notice this. In verses 3 uh, down through at least verse 8, we see the creation. And this is quite amazing. We see there in verse number 3, he says, When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? When you stop and you look at the heavens, and you stop and you look at the stars, and you stop and you look at the moon, and, and you see all of God's creation, uh, boy, you just, I don't know about you, but I'm awestruck. And I think that is, it just blows my mind. How far away is that? I don't know. We can't, I couldn't certainly measure it. Uh, they have ways and mathematical equations and all of that to measure how far the stars are and it goes over my head. Uh, but I look at it and I just marvel at how great God's creation is. And the Bible says this in Genesis 1.16, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And God created those things. He made the moon. He made the sun. Then the last part of that verse says this, He made the stars also. Kind of like, oh yeah, and by the way, all those stars that you look out there, you know, the ones that are unnumberable according to the, to the Bible that God said, Abraham, you'll have uh, as many children as the stars of the sky that you will not be able to number them. There'll be so many. And, and we look up at the stars and we see them and, and you see them fall and you see them burn out and you still see, man, there's an immense number of stars. And God created all of that. And when I step back and I look at how big everything is and how big the universe really is, that next phrase in verse number 4 just stands out. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You understand how big the universe is? And we are just one creature, a good creature, God-made creature on this planet Earth. That just amazes me. And, and the earth is not even the biggest planet. Matter of fact, I looked this up because I was curious about this. And this is talking about the sun. It may appear small in our sky at a distance of 93 million miles. I can't even comprehend that. But the sun is actually 109 times the diameter of the earth and over a million times the volume of the earth. The sun is the largest single object in our solar system and comprises 99.86% of all its mass. That tells me the sun is huge. If a 10-pound bowling ball represents the mass of the sun, then all the planets, moons, comets, and everything else in our solar system could be represented by the combined mass of one nickel 
and one penny. Jupiter would be the nickel. <laughs> we get even smaller. We're like the size of the penny combined with all the other stars, combined with every, all the other planets, combined with everything else. And, and you realize, wow, that's a lot that is out there. That's by the uh, Institute for Creation and Research. They're, uh, uh, they put out a lot of, lot of creation information, and, and so I believe their stuff is fairly accurate. Uh, but what I'm saying is, when you evaluate the heavens, when you stop and look and, and step back and look at them, and you say, man, that is immense, uh, and you evaluate all of the heavens, you say, man, God truly is good. And then you go to verse number 4, and it says, What is man? that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. And not only do we evaluate the heavens, but we have the enigma, and that would be the mystery of man. You look at how big man is compared to all of that. We are a speck on a speck. I was thinking today in my office, I was sitting there looking over this. We are, we are a speck on a speck. And to me, an ant is a speck. You go even smaller critters than that that we, we don't even see, but an ant is a speck. And I think, and God took the time to create an ant. It's just incredible how wonderful and amazing God is and that He would, he would create us and that He would visit us. It, it gets more than just the fact that He created us, but that He desires to have a relationship with every one of us. That blows my mind. God's huge. God is big. And, and yet He desires uh, to, to know who we are and to have a, a relationship with us. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, after God had created man, that He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Could you imagine? Now, we, we, we can't even fathom this. We can't even begin to comprehend this because our minds are finite and we cannot wrap our brains around all of this. But could you imagine uh, if you were a beekeeper or if you had, we'll go something easier, if you had one of those little uh, ant things as a kid. You know, you watch the little ants crawl in there and, and there's, there's hundreds of them. But then you would name them all and know every one of their names. And, and you'd look at them and say, well, there goes, there goes Bob, and there goes Frank, and there goes Tom. And, and you'd have all your little ants named, and, and you would know who they are. And not only that, but you'd desire to have a, a relationship with them. Now, I, I didn't never get that close to any of my ants, I'll tell you that. But that's kind of like God's relationship with us. But that doesn't even, even actually come close because God's so much bigger than we are. And how great a God is that he would desire to have a relationship. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Look at the establishment of mankind. He says in verse number 5, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. In other words, he's saying, hey, I made him a step below what the angels are. Verse number 6, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And, uh, and we see the establishment and the dominion that God gives man over the animals. Uh, listen, the idea that, that 
it drives me crazy, and I'm not, I'm all for treating animals fairly, but, uh, but man, they go overboard, and they put more importance on animals than they do on human life many times in society, which is, goes against the Word of God. And it says that right here. Look at what it says. Uh, it says here in verse number 6, Thou hast made him have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field. In other words, every land animal that walks on the face of the earth, God has given man dominion over those animals. That's what the Bible says. He goes on because he further clarifies. Look in verse number 8. The fowls of the air and the fish of the sea. In other words, the fowls of the air. Hey, everything that flies in the sky, uh, man has dominion. Just because it flies out of our reach and over our head does not mean that we don't have dominion over them. But God did give us dominion over those animals. And so the animals that fly in the sky, the animals that walk on the earth, and he goes a step further and he says there in verse number 8, and the fish of the sea. But I love this because he doesn't just limit it to the fish of the sea, but he says, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. It's pretty amazing that God has given us dominion over all these critters. You think about all the animals. And, and you think about mankind. And God has made man in His own image, in His own likeness. And by the way, uh, think about this. Man has is, man is got a crazy mind. I mean, we, we may, just think of all the technological advances. I mean, you're going to go out and you're going to get in your car. You're going to take this little metal object. You're going to shove it in there. Some of you won't even take a little metal object and shove it in there. You'll just push a little button. And your car will go boom. And then you'll take this little thing, you'll push the button and you'll pull it down and, and you'll step on this little pedal in your car and your car will go and take off. And you'll use this little tiny wheel that's sitting there and you'll turn that thing wherever you want it to go. And man came up with all of that. Man, God gave man the ability to be able to reason, to be able to think through all of those things, to generate those items, to be able to do all of that. You tell me what animal has built anything. They build their little houses. Nothing mechanical. They don't have battery operated anything. They, they uh, maybe the electric eel, but I don't think they have batteries. They just God made them like that. But, but what I'm saying is, man is so far different than animal, and God has given man dominion over all of the world. And what an amazing creation that God has designed and ordained and set up. And I'm amazed at the Creator that created everything. I'm amazed at the creation that He designed and how He designed everything and how He gave man dominion over all of those things. But there's one more thing that I want you to see, and this is, this is just probably one of the most amazing things out of this chapter, and that is the combination of the two. We skipped over it on purpose throughout this chapter, but Jesus Christ is the God-man who became man and God. 
And boy, you want to talk about a combination that the Creator would come down and take on the form of His creation and live within the boundaries of that creation and say, you know what? My my body is going to get tired just like my creation. My body is going to hunger just like my creation. My body is going to require sleep just like my creation. We're talking about the all-powerful God that took on human form. That's an amazing thing. Go back with me. We'll revisit some of these verses. It says there in verse number 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9, Wherefore the God hath also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Hey, Hey, listen, you want to talk about an excellent name. Jehovah, Lord, uh, God is an excellent name. But then he equates that all the way with Jesus Christ that walked on the earth. Hey, he's got an excellent name. And the Bible says that every knee is going to bow to his name. That's an excellent name. It's a name to bow to, not a name to curse. It's a name to praise. And we find the name of Jesus Christ is an excellent name. I want you to notice in verse number 2, the Bible says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. Listen, Jesus Christ came to the earth, and I'm amazed at this every single Christmas, and I will be probably until I die, that Jesus Christ, that God of the universe, took on the form of man and came in such a lowly form as a infant, baby, child that was absolutely helpless and dependent upon man. That amazes me. Because God would do that. And and the Bible says in Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe. He was not born a full-grown man, adult that could take care of himself. He was a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You talk about amazing, and, and you couple that with verse number 2, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. Boy, what a smack in the face to his enemies to have Jesus Christ, God all-powerful, come in the form of a, a, an infant, a baby that cannot take care of themselves. Oh, and the enemy tried to, to destroy and wipe out Jesus Christ then. Oh, multiple times, but it was never... Never, never worked because God had ordained that this would take place. We find that the enemies were defeated when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. He died on the cross, shed His uh, blood for you and I. He died on the cross of Calvary, but that wasn't the moment of victory. When He rose again from the dead, hey, He conquered death, death hell, and the grave. You talk about victory, that was victory. And the enemy was defeated. It talks about that in verse number 2. And I want you to notice in verse number 4, the, in his engagement with man, he says there, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? In other words, that God 
not only wants to have a relationship with us and to walk with us, but that God Himself would come to this earth and walk on this earth and live with mankind for the 30-some years that He was here and then give His life. Go with me to Hebrews chapter number 2. And I want you to see this as we see the combination of the Creator and the creation as they mold into one and, uh, and God takes on the form of the flesh. Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 6. And this passage is quoted out of Psalm chapter 8 that we read. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 6, but one, but one in a certain place testified saying, that would be in Psalm 8, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Not talking necessarily about man, though certainly it applies to man, but rather talking about God Himself, that He would stoop beneath the angels in heaven and take on the form of a man. And so He says that Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory over honor and didst set him over the works of Thy hand. Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet, for, that, for in that He he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory and make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. It's Jesus Christ. And it's a prophetic psalm. It doesn't just talk about the Creator and the excellency of His name and how He's exalted above the heavens and how He engages with the enemy and God's plan to use man in that. It talks about creation and that God created everything and created man. But then it talks about the merger and the combination of those two and how Jesus Christ came to this earth. And it's a very prophetic psalm that points forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we look back to it. and We see everything so clearly, so evidently, because the Word of God spells it out for us and Hebrews lays it all out for us. And we say, man, praise the Lord for God's engagement as a man that He'd come to this earth and He'd feel pain. He'd feel hunger. He'd feel tired. He would feel all the things that we... The Bible says that He was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. He lived a sinless life. He didn't deserve to die, but He died for you and us. And man, it just makes the psalm that much greater to stand back and say, wow, what a God we serve. That He created everything. He created us. And then He designed a plan to bring Himself into His creation and to live and to die so that you and I could be saved. What a, marv what a, what a, what a, what a marvelous plan. What a great God we serve. Marvel at God's creation in Psalm chapter 8 as we look at that. What a wonderful God. The Bible it starts out in verse number 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent 
is thy name in all the earth. And it ends, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God truly is so good. He's so marvelous. He's so wonderful. He's so wise. He's so much better than any of us could even fathom or think. We ought to praise Him. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Father, for a marvelous creation. God, that You came up with, You designed. A marvelous plan. God, that involves us and involves You and brings us together through salvation. God, thank You for the great sacrifice that You made on Calvary so that, you, so that we could be saved, we could be born again. God, thank You for Your great love, Your compassion, and Your desire to have a relationship with us. God, I pray that you would bless, I pray that you would encourage each and every person that's here to, tonight. Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano's playing, maybe you just want to take a minute and thank God for his greatness of who he is. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. We, we, I can't even wrap my mind around all of creation. I think about the many things that God created. All the creatures, all the solar stars, the planets, the solar system, the speck of dirt, the plants that grow, the clouds, the water. And yet He loves us and cares about us. Truly, he's a good God. be seated we'll bring our invitation to a close and you can be seated and does anybody uh, does anybody need a a prayer sheet for september uh, brother dan i think there's some on the back table if you need one just raise your hand and brother uh brother dan will get it to you just keep your hand up so that he knows who needs it and uh and he'll be sure to get that to you i appreciate you helping with that and um
couple there in the center. Anybody? A couple over here. One over here. And two more over on this side. Then one more over here, and I think we're all done. I think everyone's got one. Miss Nancy needs one. 